Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for Book 7, Chapter 1, The Beginning of a New Book. Um, how does the opening paragraph of this chapter fit with your life slash moral views? I'm going to have to go back and read that again, aren't I? The Bible legend tells us that the absence of labor, idleness, was a condition of the first man's blessedness before the fall. Fallen man has retained a love of our idleness. Um, right. This is more of an introspection question, and there is no need to actually post your answer. But I found this intro paragraph, one that struck me, and wanted to see if you guys felt the same. While I love reading War and Peace a bit at a time, and having discussions about it, I find that this method often leads to me only reading it for the story, causing me to lose some of the personal interaction with the text. Uh, this chapter was an interesting reminder to me to be invested in the story and its underlying elements. So, by the way, I've said this before, but these discussion prompts are carried forward from last year, so they're not actually written by me. Seven of Nine, user Seven of Nine wrote these and did an excellent job. Um, and so if sometimes it sounds like I'm reading the discussion prompt for the first time, it's because sometimes I am. Um, how are you feeling about Nikolai at this point? He's clearly trying to avoid his responsibilities at home in this chapter. Is that due to immaturity or is there more to it? For those who haven't kept up in ages, Nikolai is around 25 at this point. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Do you think that Nikolai and the Countess's mistrust of the proposed marriage is simply nerves or is it foreshadowing events to come? Nikolai, I think, is a little threatened by Andre. He knows him. His initial response to him was kind of a as if he was threatened. He came around and really liked him and respected him, but I just feel like he sees his sister, Natasha, and Andre in just such different worlds. He can't barely imagine them together. Um, and so for that reason, he wonders if it's really like the best thing for his sister be, to be doing. I think that's my interpretation. Um... I think I'm just trying to remember that I have read the book before a few years ago. Um, and I just, I don't remember much of it to be honest. And I just remember little fragments, scenes or like chunks of the book. You know, I remembered that the very start of the book was around Anna Pavlovna's, Pavlovna's soiree and around the inheritance and that kind of stuff. And the deathbed of Count Bezikov. I did remember that. And then the next few sort of books for me were a bit of a blur in my memory. I couldn't quite recall. And now we're going into this bit where Nikolai has come home. And I think, but I'm not sure, but I think this is a bit that I do remember where, I don't want to really say anything that'll spoil it, but the Rostovs go on a little, let's just call it a little vacation. They go on a little vacation together, all the Rostovs. Um... I think that's about to happen, but I could be wrong. It could be, you know, three books away or, you know, somewhere in the last quarter of the novel. I can't exactly piece it together in my head, but I think it is. And if it is, I'm actually really looking forward to reading that sequence again. It's a, it's a few chapters, I think. And I think it actually had one of the longest chapters in the book was one of those um, Rostov's on vacation chapters. And it went for, you know, some stupid thing like, 15 pages or something crazy. Uh, anyway. 
Ryan Dundev says, so much unexplained tension around this marriage. No idea how it's going to turn out, but I suspect it won't be good. I'm still waiting for Nikolai to grow up. Will it happen when the inevitable total collapse of the Rostov finance happens? You'd, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> Zuyon says, I think for now there hasn't been a single main character that is truly happy for them to get married. Except for maybe Pierre. Why is that? It's a good observation. I, you know, I think it's a... I don't know, it's not a good match. But I don't think it's a bad thing, if that makes sense. Um, it's a weird match, but I like both of these people, I think is my point. It's a weird match, but I like them both. So for that reason, I want to see it happen. Bickering Cube says, At this point, I feel fine towards Nikolai. I mean, I really don't blame him for wanting to go home and fix things. He's not equipped to fix things, and that's not his fault. Minor spoiler for the next chapter. Um, but I read ahead, and in the next chapter, I actively dislike him. Wow, okay, so... Uh, cool, let's see what happens, I guess. Uh, number two... What was number two? Right, I'll just read the response. I hope it's not foreshadowing. I feel like these two will be good for each other, but if her family is about to lose everything, that is going to complicate things. Uh, I think Andre is quite well off. I don't think it would matter. I think, if anything, he would just be saving her family from going broke. Right? Probably. All right. Anyway, let's read chapter two, which goes exactly like this. After reaching home, Nicholas was at first serious and even dull. He was worried about the impending necessity of interfering in the stupid business matters for which his mother had called him home. To throw off this burden as quickly as possible, on the third day after his arrival he went, angry and scowling and without answering a quest questions as to where he was going, to Mitenka's lodge and demanded an account for everything. An account of everything. But what an account of everything might be... Nicholas knew even less than he frightened and bewildered Mitenka. The conversation and the examination of the accounts with Mitenka did not last long. The village elder, a peasant delegate, and the village clerk, who were waiting in the passage, heard with fear and delight first the young count's voice roaring and snapping and rising louder and louder, and then words of abuse, dreadful words, ejaculated one after the other. Robber! ungrateful wretch I'll hack the dog to pieces I'm not my father robbing us and so on then with no less fear and delight they saw how the young count red in the face and with bloodshot eyes dragged Matenka out by the scruff of the neck and applied his foot and knee to his behind with great agility at convenient moments between the words shouting be off never let me see your face here again you villain Mitenka flew headlong down the six steps and ran away into the shrubbery. This shrubbery was a well-known haven of refuge for culprits of Otradnoe. Mitenka himself, returning tipsy from the town, used to hide there, and many of the residents of Otradnoe, hiding from Mitenka, knew of its protective qualities. Mitenka's wife and sisters-in-law thrust their heads and frightened faces out of the door of a room where a bright samovar was boiling and where the steward's high bedstead stood, with its patchwork quilt. The young count paid no heed to them, but breathing hard, passed by with resolute strides and went into the house. 
The Countess, who heard at once from the maids what had happened at the lodge, was calmed by the thought that now their affairs would certainly improve, but on the other hand felt anxious as to the effect this excitement might have on her son. She went several times to his door, on tiptoe, and listened, as he, list as he lighted one pipe after another. Next day the old Count called his son aside and with an embarrassed smile said to him, "'But you know, my dear boy, it's a pity you got excited. Matenka has told me all about it.' "'I knew,' thought Nicholas, "'that I should never understand anything in this crazy world.' You were again, sorry, you were angry that he had not entered those 700 roubles, but they were carried forward, and you did not look at the other page. Papa, he is a blackguard and a thief. I know he is, and what I have done, I have done, but if you like, I won't speak to him again. Uh, no, my dear boy, the Count too felt embarrassed. He knew he had mismanaged his wife's property and was to blame towards his children, but he did not know how to remedy it. No, I beg you to attend to the business. I am old. I... No, Papa, forgive me if I have caused you unpleasantness. I understand it all less than you do. Devil take all these peasants and money matters and carryings forward from page to page, he thought. I used to understand what a corner and the stakes at cards meant, but carrying forward to another page I don't understand at all, said he to himself. And after that he did not meddle in business affairs. But once the countess called her son and informed him that she had a promissory note from Anna Mikhailovna for 2,000 roubles and asked him what he thought of doing with it. This, answered Nicholas, you say it rests with me. Well, I don't like Anna Mikhailovna and I don't like Boris, but they were our friends and poor. Well, then this, and he tore up the note, and by, doing, and by so doing caused the old countess to weep tears of joy. After that, young Rostov took no further part in any business affairs, but devoted himself with passionate enthusiasm to what was to him a new pursuit, the chase for which his father kept a large establishment. All right, there we go. There's a chapter for ya. The chase for which his father kept a large establishment. I don't actually know what that means, but that's pretty cool. All right, looks like we're going to go on the chase by the sound of things, coming up soon. Have your say about the chapter. Nikolai kind of going off the rails a bit there, flying off the handle. Not cool, dude. All right, thanks for listening. See you to Moz.